Hi, this is Marisha for Love Your Creativity, and this is a podcast interview with Georgina Sowerby, who is an actress, director, teacher, and also devisor of very fabulous theatre, I have to say. I've known Georgina for a few years, and everyone she always comes in contact with comes out definitely a freer actor or devisor, and always feeling far more confident about their role in the world of the arts with comments like this. Aggression, but there's also the aggression of the chick pecking its way out of the egg. You know, that is how you... If the chick doesn't do it, the chick's dead. So it's it's a sort of... It's part of our survival, and being on that front foot or... The, I don't know, it just seems really necessary. And also... Um, there's a, a designer called Sutra Gilmore, and a friend went to a talk of hers, and she came back with this phrase... Don't try to be original, be personal. She really does make you look at the world of art and theatre, I think, in an almost magical way of really listening and finding our own voice and listening and finding our, the voices of others. So, so this podcast deals with her process of devising, how she really believes in including all others' ideas and how she negotiates that, as well as, of course, she has acted everywhere from film, TV to most of the West End stages, including the National and the Royal Court. Her view on life and making art. Dirty Market Theatre, which is her co-production company, currently have a show on running to the end of September in London, but they ongoingly do lots of other work, including Rough Classics, where you can do workshops with them, and I can't recommend all their work highly enough, so I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello, this is Marisha for Love Your Creativity, and today I have got, I'm very excited about this, Georgina Sowerby, is that correct? That's right. I've yeah. never actually pronounced your surname. Georgina, I first met Georgina through classes, actually, yeah. because I know you do some teaching, and I've got some very clear memories, actually, of your classes, particularly doing some Lorca Blood Wedding. Oh, yes, that's the, great. The fantastic work <laughs> that you got out of us all, um, and the, I know you act, you direct I guess you produce as well don't you yes uh, I mean I'm not trained producer and we're learning as we're making we're learning it's almost like the piece makes demands and we respond to the demands it would be really good if we actually had somebody producing for us mm. <laughs> so if anybody's listening <laughs> that was uh, that's something with this new piece that's definitely come up but that is very much part of making your own work at the moment I think you need to at least, yeah, you need to be on the case. Yeah, really. Way. Now, I've, I've had a look at the uh, Oxbow Lakes YouTube yeah. trailer and it's it's a bit scary. <laughs> no, it is a bit scary. It well, looks quite fantastical, a bit grim, fairy tale, a yes. bit... I mean, is this devised work? We wanted to, yes. We started with absolutely nothing. We started with a list of questions. Things like, what are you watching right now? What's on your mind you know what's irritating you what's inspiring you and one of the rules for our devising space is that uh you don't just speak about your answers you try and perform make a little mini performance to share your work to share your ideas so we really from really early on we're creating very i mean they're not necessarily going to make any sense to anybody but we're creating little tableaus or performances and strain things have strange connections um and so in terms of what's one of the things was one of the questions was what's your favorite fairy tale right now and i'm always obsessed by ideas around childhood and how we treat children in this country um etc etc and so we yeah it's become a fairy tale for adults 
And one of the things that we realised reading fairy tales with each other was that it's um, they're brutal. Mm. They're very direct. And they're, you know, the really traditional ones are pretty unforgiving. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so one will end with... So they're tied to the back of the horse and the horse dragged around the field until she broke into a thousand pieces. The end. <laughs> <laughs> so they're gory. And... It, I have two kids and there's a lot of culture that's mediated towards them and you know um, and we realize that looking back at these older fairy tales that they they approach things in a very different way that they don't there's no saccharine there's nothing saccharine about them um, so we wanted to create that but for adults so yeah it's pretty scary <laughs> it's funny as well it's very funny yeah, I mean, it's still, and of course you put music in it, I guess, if you've yeah. got people playing. Or it's... We're working with a guy called Oscar Gibbs, who actually many moons ago did the same course oh, yeah. that I met you on. So I wondered if you'd worked with Rebecca Thorne yes. before, because I know her myself. She's on my list of people to corner for podcasts, and oh, she's lovely. brilliant, yeah. And, uh, no, no, we know each other pretty well, so uh, I know she knew you, and I knew she'd been working on some of your stuff in the past. Yeah, she, she was in the year above me at drama school. This is... A drama centre, yeah. Yeah, quite a lot of years ago. <laughs> um, so, um, so yes, Rebecca did our last show. Uh, I think she's going to come and do a music night for us, maybe on the 18th. So after our show, she's going to play some of her songs. Um, but this time it's Oscar, and Oscar's been using the piano a lot and sort of improvising whilst we've been devising, he's been improvising with us. And eventually mm -hmm. it became... We've, We've used lots of TV references, and usually they're underscored. So little motifs, he's started improvising around, and it's become this other character, basically, which we feel we can no longer do without. So. Um, and he also has written five very beautiful songs that kind of punctuate it and has taken on kind of narrator's role. Because sometimes our stuff gets a bit weird. Yes. <laughs> I can, I can say Yes. And so um, it's just a way of helping the audience through. And, and also it's a lot of work to make the pieces, and I didn't want to come out again with people going, yeah, I just didn't get it. Because I think it becomes an excuse not to engage as the audience, and I didn't want to give people... It's fine for people to be discombobulated and to have to think, I want that, but I don't want people to give up and just go, oh, it's just too weird for yeah. me. And I know from having done... Lots of shows as well. Critics, they they really like a through line. They really do, don't they? Yeah, I've really, when when my shows haven't had it, it's been a bit wobbly or disappeared. Then I've noticed that. Having I no longer read my reviews, but I I noticed it, that because it is this idea. I think all audience wants to come out feeling that they've had a central message, even if they have then been taken into life experiences and this, and even yes. if it's a different one. I think it's. I think it's important, more important than I ever realised. Yeah, I think as well, it's something about theatre or live performance, because if you go into a contemporary art exhibition, I'm not expecting anybody to offer me narrative. But we are so well trained as an audience when we go into theatre. And we're trying to break away from it, actually, or anyway mess around with narrative. Um, because I was looking at your... I mean, I know you're saying this is more of an immersive. It's not necessarily audience in front of watching a piece. It's, it's a little bit more kind of on the punch drunk kind of involvement. Is that yeah, correct? It has, it has a, I suppose, yeah, the punch drunk word came up. <laughs> it has. Oh, they're fantastic. What yes, they, they are. They're huge as well. They're mm. amazing. Um, it has, um, 
it's not immersive in the same way that Punch Drunk is. We do seek the audience, but then we promenade them and move them to the next bit. And, and one thing that we wanted to really work on was that the audience forms an attachment and care for characters within the story. So we didn't want to ditch character completely. Right. So what we're trying to do is have our cake and eat it and try both things. So by the end, yes, it becomes more immersive. And you'll be walking around and experiencing the play move around you. Um, uh, we've created three separate spaces, basically, that are like three different states of being in a way that the audience mm. experience. So they, you will have to move in it. Um, you will feel that things are happening around you, but it's not until the end that you get something where you're walking around and the performance yeah. is beside you. Well, I know from, because uh, I've done You, Me, Bum Bum Train. Oh, yeah. Work as well, and that's kind of, that's, that's all. We have the curtains from You, Me, Bum Bum Train. Which were originally from Crofts. Dog show. Oh, yes. so, I, know, I did the same show with this huge monster dog. Yeah, okay. <laughs> huge dogs have walked past. I was in the other room. I was playing bass in the, in the chat show. So those curtains have now become a cloth forest. So there you go. <laughs> Recycle <What>? reuse. <laughs> it's good. Um, I think that the, I know from having worked with you and John, who yeah. you and John are basically work. I mean, you are Dirty Market Theatre, aren't you? Yeah, we're partners and we. Um, so we're partners in life and we're mm. creative partners as well. So yeah. it's a live-work relationship. Yeah, well, I know. But I, I, and as the fact you make it work is amazing because I never managed to make that kind of thing work. <laughs> um, Sometimes. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Testing. Actually, although for us, sometimes those are the best moments as well when you've got a kind of shared project. I think it's only when suddenly we've overstretched ourselves with the amount of roles that we're playing right. that it becomes too crazy yeah i can just imagine though like he, he hasn't done the washing up and he promised he had and it like, comes out me that doesn't do the washing up i have to say <laughs> that for <laughs> otherwise <laughs> he would uh, <laughs> demand a, 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 a recount <laughs> uh, yeah exactly john's insisted on talking to me to <laughs> set it straight but i almost think though because i know having just done arcadine yeah. and the seagull that it, because when you you're you're when you're opening drawers of your life that aren't always open, you, if you see what I'm saying, yeah. then it comes out sometimes in, in your life, doesn't it, actually? You, could, you know, I've been a bit more honest yeah. and a bit more impetuous at speaking and a little bit more, uh, yeah, a bit more emotional than normal just because it, I've, I've allowed myself to be that free. And I yeah. can imagine if you're then devising and working with your partner, then I'm sure the children must be going, oh, they're doing the show again. Yeah, they said... They said um, we hate Oxbow <laughs> right now. I mean, it's basically we will not do a show in the summer holidays again because it's. Well, I say that now, mm. but it's. But it has kind of hijacked things. I think probably mm. um, we're used to the stress, but I think when you have children, I think that is an added. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I, th I. I would definitely reconsider the way that we. You know, just the timing that we yeah. when we've made this. Because um, it's felt very, this one's felt very all-consuming, but we're performing in it as well. And also, you've devised it. Yes. You've written it. You've yes. put it together. You've yes. produced it. You're trying to direct yes. while being in it. And also, and, yes. And also, I know. Um, and on top of that, you've had to work on venue, set up a venue, and yes. of course, presumably, although you might have people helping, you've got the whole PR marketing, getting yes. it out, getting the message out, and there's all that, isn't there? So it is a complete and funding, getting funding for it. A massive. I mean, all of these things are jobs in themselves. And, uh, I would say 
I mean, the, the, the thing about making your own stuff is that you get creative control, which having worked, I love acting, but there is, in, on some jobs, there is this, it's all very divided, and, and you know, if you have ideas, that you're somehow not meant to have ideas sometimes as an actor, which I just find a bit crazy because I just think, well, you're then you're not using all of the inspiration in the room, and and so I've my beef is you know anybody in this room right now, be they uh, the person who's helping making the set, which just happened to us in fact, could or or the person that's directing or the person that's selling the tickets could have an idea that would solve this problem, and. Um, so, for instance, uh, Rob Truscott was just mm -hmm. uh, has has come in to help us construct it, and he was there. You know, so we were trying to solve, you know, how we were going to stage the first section of the piece, and he noticed this huge bit of shelving. I said, well, what if we move this around? And, you know, he said, isn't isn't that part of bricolage? Isn't that part? Isn't that very dirty market? And we said, yes, thank you. <laughs> you know, so that. It, it, I wasn't. He wasn't there, and I wasn't asking him to come up with to solve that problem. But he did, he was the person that did in that moment. And I think as soon as you make it into a feudal system and you sort of stratify it all, then you've lost that opportunity. So I'm all for spreading spreading the voice. And and yeah, it makes it a bit more chaotic and sometimes it makes it noisier and sometimes it slows the process because everybody's opinion maybe could lead us down a few rabbit holes. But in the long run, it's so much richer. And um, I think it stops people getting jaded and all of that stuff. Yeah, rather than just coming in and doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. I noticed in your uh, uh, press release here, oh, yeah. Dirty Market of Theatre Bricoleurs. Yes. What is your um, translation <laughs> of that? Of bricoleurs? Well, in <laughs> France, there's all sorts of shops, and the one's called Bricorama and Monsieur Bricolage and all the rest of it. And basically, it means DIY. Oh. Um, but it's a movement in, gosh, uh, music, art, philosophy, uh, and theatre, where you, you're piecing it together. I think there's one definition which it, it, um, means it's about tinkering and fiddling rather than there being an engineer who has some grand scheme. So we're tinkering and fiddling the piece together rather than sitting down. Although we did do a lot of writing actually on this over the summer to try and pull our different pieces mm -hmm. together and form some kind of coherence. But... Um, that's that's the feeling. It's just, you know, and actually, Picasso said. I think I'm going to wordly paraphrase, and it won't even be in the language that he's spoken. <laughs> um, but he said something like, you know, you have a concept for the painting, but then the moment that the pink paint hits the canvas or whatever it is, the painting starts to speak to you. So I think, and and it starts to dictate. So I think having a framework good, but then being able to move within that is for me the way forward. And, and again, just surprising things. The best moments. Uh, Altman said it, I think. The best. He said something like, pick any five moments from his films and there will, be, will have been mistakes. So, you know, the best moments are mistakes or come from unexpected places. And that is the joy of... Uh, and that's also the joy of live performance as well as devising, isn't it? Is actually this every night you go on, and I'm sure within the bounds of what you've got, you might have the script in the moment, but inevitably you can't help but um, 
drop drop the cheese crackers as happened to us as a night on stage or whatever and that's something has to come out of it if you're in a place where it's okay to make mistakes and to fall almost well we had a we had a why this is so obvious but it was such a strong thing with this one where we've done so much work on it and then we did our first night and we realized well i realized gosh there was a player missing you know and it was the audience was the other player and that suddenly all sorts of things started to spark into life which we'd sort of trusted should be in there but couldn't weren't quite gelling or you know yeah so the life aspect for me is very very exciting john wants to make a film <laughs> which i'll go along with completely but, but um the live performance is very special it's very yeah. and, and and i think as well you know we're very you're all spending lots of time at our laptop and all the rest of it. And I think there is something different with talking to somebody online and then being in a room with them. It's such a different experience. And so, yeah, live performance. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm really pro-live. It's really the large extent of all I've done until this year I've gone, right, I'm going to do more films. And I did it with telly. And I've just gone, oh, I've suddenly seen some... And I actually think you and John doing film, you'd make a fascinating piece of film because it's the tinkering in the edit that I think is where... It'll take 20 years to make yes. this much. <laughs> the tinkering in the edit will take 20 years. No, that is the problem. You've got to go, I have a deadline, there is a festival. But I think that... And also, the great thing about film is it allows people who can't come into your theatre space. Yeah. So I think you, you two have probably got a duty, given you're such great practitioners of art and theatre that you probably need to go and do it because I think you put an angle on it that I think would be incredibly interesting so I and especially if you know I mean might leave devices and then goes on and if, yeah. but of course I think you might have a little bit more maybe a Maldivar magic or something I'd be yeah. interested to see oh wow <laughs> I, mean, I can imagine because of your process yeah and, and and both your training and I mean I've sat in both yours and John's classes listening to you you know talk about theatre and art and Bacchus and yes. the muse and you know <laughs> falling into it all of which I'm completely yes so I think we need a bit more of that in film actually well uh, when he mentioned it I sort of went really film he said well it would be art house I'm like okay you know it would be <laughs> so I'm interested how you've gone because obviously you're seriously trained actress you've done lots of stuff stage and TV. I was looking at your seat going, oh, yeah. National Theatre, oh, Royal Court, oh, oh, you were in, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, so how did you go from being um, this kind of actress? In, have you always been interested in devising or is it just something you've, you felt you had to do because sometimes you didn't feel you had a voice, as you mentioned earlier? I think um, I was very young when I graduated and I would say that the profession has changed. Um, it possibly hasn't, but it has for me. <laughs> Um, I think that things have opened up a lot more from when I graduated, which was a long time ago, in that now we have the internet, that's how long ago it was. Um, and so you can make your own stuff. It, actually, it's a lot easier to make your own stuff mm. than it was. It, it seemed that more doors were closed and more keys were held by various people when I graduated. Um, in terms of... I, I assisted a guy who... Uh, died now quite a lot of years ago but he was a young guy called James Neil Kennelly and um, I he taught us he directed us at drama school and I found him totally inspiring 
And I bumped into him and I said, oh, can I, can I watch one of your rehearsals? And so that turned into a sort of, I became his assistant for a few years. And I suppose I'm quite inspired by his work and this, he had this idea of empowerment and, you know, that there's this more open way of seeing creativity and employing the resources in the room. Um, so I, in a way that's inspired a lot of the work and just, yeah, just being inspired by groups as well, like Worcester Group and Go to Island, these American groups actually. Um, really inspired by reading Anne Bogart and reading her stuff online, um, which are really about a lot about opening things up and unpicking and then piecing stuff back together, it seems. So, and also just being delighted by what people bring and going, oh, let's, let's, let's go with that then, rather than having the pressure of having to come up with everything yourself. I think it's quite a sort of pressurised place to be, to be the sort of director that's in charge of everything and having, yeah. to, having to make every decision. That's quite, a, that's quite a tyrannical sort of place to be. I think some people Personally. like to be in that place because I have a very clear vision in one case, but they're always, yeah. But I'm, you not, do I'm need, not dissing directors, but you know, I do I think that... Uh, I suppose it depends on the piece. Sometimes it works, and sometimes you need something that's a lot more, a lot freer. Yes, and um, maybe in theatre also you can, you need the freedom. Whereas in obviously with like a TV or film, you've got the shooting schedule, you've got the budget, you've got the cameramen in a different way. It's exactly. more expensive to sit there and devise. Yeah, yeah. Um, having said all of this, I would say from having acted now in this piece rather than just devising, but then sitting on the outside. It's very difficult to let go as an actor when you're thinking about, oh, have we booked this person to come and, uh, oh, shit, we've still got to fix that bit of set. And it's actually, that is not the headspace that an actor needs to be in at all. So personally, from an acting perspective, I think if we did it again, I wouldn't put myself in it. I would try and stay out. And as an actor, I much prefer just to be left alone to focus. Yes, I would. And lose myself in it. Yeah, I would, having done both ends of that. Yeah. I think it's better to do one or the other, really. Yeah. Just because it's, as you say, it's a real divide and you don't want to be on stage going, I haven't sold enough tickets tonight or whatever. Which is, which is hugely what's, I mean, it's just, you have just really steal yourself, I think, to make anything happen performatively if, you're, if your mind is in five other different jobs. So, yeah, I guess I've learned something else about acting from doing that. Which is focus, focus, focus. Yes. So what was the first kind of device piece of this you did then from being kind of, I'm an actor for hire, if you like? Oh, crumbs. Well, I suppose, I tell you what, we started working on the back eye, which, and we started working on a new translation of it done by Debbie Kent. And we, you know, we used Euripides Kent scenes but we were working at City Lit and we had an enormous group who were going to be part of the chorus, the backends. And we did lots and lots of exercises with them. And I had this beef that lots of really great stuff gets done in warm-up exercises <laughs> um, or improvisations around the play. And then never, the audience never get to see this stuff. And I was thinking, well, 
shit, you know, we're throwing away really lovely, free, inventive stuff. And so we decided that we would use exercises and warm-ups and personal writing for the backends. And so, and Debbie cleverly edited it all together so that our, we basically had devised choruses that punctuated the written scenes. And that started inspiring us with that, oh yeah, you can really make really interesting pieces out of this. Um, so we did Back Eye Full in two versions a couple of years running. And then we moved on to a version of Electra. And then we moved away from a play and to something purely devised last year called Be Good Revolutionaries. And then this year we're doing Oxbow Lakes, again purely devised. So it's sort of, again, it happened without us engineering it. We engineered an aspect, but we didn't know where that would lead. So we tinkered and fiddled, we bricolaged. Bricolage. Our own process. I was going to the day. Bricolage. Bricolage. Yeah, there's so many different ways you can say it. It's a lovely word, that. So, how have you kept kind of the the fire going to keep making art? Because you are very, I mean, I've always, you, you, you'll still seem very much in love with art, and I see so many people you kind of try and fail or they do and you know there is the ups and downs of being an actor or a creative and you get the positive comments and the negative comments often off for the same night um so how have you managed to keep this kind of absolute fire burning in you about i'm going to keep making art that makes a difference and i'm going to keep acting and producing and having a voice being really stubborn <laughs> there we are <laughs> <laughs> um actually having a realization this is a long lot of years ago when I started working with James, of just realising I'm not constitutionally able to wait for somebody else to tell me to be creative. Mm. I was brought up uh, by two artists, and if you wanted to make something, you'd go upstairs and get into the room where we painted and make it. You know, nobody said, oh, now you're allowed to do this. Mm. So the so I found it really I found that aspect of being an actor that you have to wait for somebody else to tell you to be creative to let you be creative really difficult to cope with and that's where I started assisting James because I just wanted to be immersed in it all the time it's like well you know I'm not qualified to do anything else um and and so it's about I suppose creating opportunities and then just falling in love with other people's work as well and thinking well why the hell aren't they working all the time all right, well, come and work with me, or, you know, us, or, you know. So it's it's been about, first of all, making opportunities for myself and then making opportunities for others as well to make stuff and not wait around. I mean, I found that because I, you know, I was worked in the city, came out, did some training and then came back and then was like, well, I'm supposed to wait for you to hire me to let me do my, my work. And it came from a different place than yours. But it's interesting you say that because I've actually never heard anyone else say that. And yet I've always been the only reason I did all those shows and learnt to play eight instruments and learnt to sing and did stand up and did all of that was because no one is giving me permission to do what I want to do. I give myself permission. Mine's a bit more <coughs> stubborn in a rude way, a bit more antagonistic fighting. But I felt very clearly, I've always felt I choose my life. No one, yes, of course, you go into auditions, and you get it, you don't. But I, there's no, no one's telling me what to do mm. in a way that, it's probably a bit aggressive, but it, it feels very... It's, it's where, it really is where I come from. Really. But, you know, so, um, so there's an idea about aggression that basically, yeah, there's aggression where I 
punch somebody in mm. the face, which I've never done, but, you know, <laughs> potentially, um, which is obviously negative ag- aggression, but there's also the aggression of the chick pecking its way out of the egg. You know, that is how you... If the chick doesn't do it, the chick's dead. So it's it's a sort of... It's part of our survival, and being on that front foot or... The, I don't know, it just seems really necessary. And the other thing is, you know, sometimes you can act things into being, which uh, all of the Bowie stuff that's on at the moment is just a classic example of acting like it till it happens, you know, and that, that being really inspirational, sort of like, you know, I suppose that it's borderline fantasist, but if you can back it up with something real, with some ideas, then good. Yes. Actually, a friend of mine's working on the Bowie exhibition, and he got to meet Barry a couple of weeks early to work. He'd gone in and, and they said, oh, David Barry's coming in today. And uh, he briefly met him before he went in and then David Barry came out. Imam was there and oh, a few yeah. other people. So he'd said uh, to him, to David Barry, he said, oh, how was it? And he said something like, oh, um, something like, I'm going to paraphrase badly. So it, it really weird, but really interesting at the same time. But a bit, just, you know, it's really weird to see your life curated in such yeah. a fashion. Said so to David Barry, he said, you have made the fact that I got chased around at school wearing makeup so worthwhile in my life. This moment has completely validated all those years of being criticised for the fact of how he, you know, is gay and wore yeah. makeup at school. He said, and you have completely made all that chasing around and all that violence completely worthwhile. And, and uh, apparently, David, I, I'm upset just to think about it now. I've got tears mm-hmm. in my eyes. My friend was, he was so needed to give that gift yeah. to David Bowie. And David was apparently... Asked his name and uh, then said, you know, thank you very much. I think he really... Because actually it's that, isn't it? It's you've, you've got to be the chick getting out the egg, but there's other people, there's other chicks in eggs trying to get out and almost it is this form of you need that voice to keep pushing everybody else forward as well, I think. I think that there's a... I mean, it's really interesting, this thing about being bullied for being different. I mean, you know, <laughs> certainly experienced that. Um... Maybe not in such an obvious way, but I definitely experienced that. And I think that it has different effects. So sometimes it can really destroy people. And then, <laughs> conversely, it can also make you just so determined to just do things your way. And live, or live your life, you know, make a choice about your life. I mean, you know, so doing lots of work with adults coming to do drama, you know, maybe... Never having done it before, maybe having lived a whole life doing, being some other person, and then, you know, the huge challenge of holding somebody's hand or looking somebody in the eye, and a lot of these things have been seriously rubbed away by the way we live and squashed about people's personalities. And, you know, this uh, giving people an opportunity to express. Uh, yeah, I suppose it could be called indulgent, but then what's life for? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know. Yes. Yeah, no, I like that. Indulgence is the way forward. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I was in a class recently. I've been doing lots of classes at the Actor Centre. Someone had just done, having had a corporate life, had just discovered Meisner. Oh, yeah. And was high on the... You, I mean, yeah. we've all seen it, right? <laughs> we've all discussed... Yeah. They get like, oh, my God. And I mean, I've seen... Repetition think, addiction. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. <laughs> they get into this mic, temporary mic. They'll come down, but yeah. you know. But it's just this... Because suddenly... And he's kind of an older man. And suddenly he's been able to 
there's a process by which suddenly he can really express and give yeah. give space for his rage and his anger in a safe place. Yeah. And it, I just, it made me smile, really, really, you know. The, the I, think that's, I think that's, I mean, you know, being in that situation and teaching people as well, you can get quite addicted to just seeing what happens, you know, like seeing transformations happen. You have to be a bit careful. Sometimes people, <laughs> like, walk out of their marriage or whatever it is, so... I've, I've, I've turned it down over the years. Yeah, well, I... <laughs> Don't want the responsibility. <laughs> a friend of mine, uh, they are about to do a musical version of Shakespeare in Love. Oh, yeah. And it really made me smile because I went to see Shakespeare in Love with a friend of mine. And, you know, it's all about following your passion and yeah. and, and, and that. And uh, he's a really great jazz pianist. And we came out and he went, I've got to dump my girlfriend She's not my passion. And off he stopped. And he did. He oh, got, God, I saw Cal. He obviously yells at years ago now. But, yeah, he, he dumped her. Because, but, so... Yeah, well, I think there is something about... Um, it's difficult, but trying to find something slightly more authentic. And so, yes, being an actor... I love acting, but being an actor... Selling my... You know touting the CVs around, I know it has to happen, but it's not particularly authentic to me, it's just something that I know how to do. Whereas making stuff, you know, filling in the funding forms, what a headache, but it is authentic to me, it's like, oh yeah, I can work this out. So I think there is, I've got a thing pinned up on my fridge, which is uh, the actress Shirley Henderson actually saying, eventually you have to decide what makes you happy. And that was really, it's really simple, but really useful. Just, you know... You know what you should be doing, but if that should has to remain there in your sentence, then maybe that's, maybe do something else, you know, or find another way of doing it. So for me, it was about finding another way of doing it, not necessarily the kind of stock being an actor way yes. of existing. And the other bit of, um, the other quote that was really useful was, um, there's a, a designer called Sutra Gilmore. And a friend went to a talk of hers, and she came back with this phrase, don't try to be original, be personal. Oh. <laughs> Whoa, that's <laughs> a making one. you work is a really good one to remember, because actually, it's really hard to be original, and who knows if it is original. But when you do things that are personal, that you're passionate about, and that you care about, then it is possible to find that extra energy, or grit, or determination to make it, I think. Oh. Oh, that's good. That's a good ending. <laughs> Thank you, Georgina. Right. So, if people want to, Oxbow Lakes is on for the month of September. Yes. At... It's on till the 28th. It's on 17 to 20 Par Street, which is in Hoxton. You go to Old Street Tube, you take exit one, and then the rest is up to you. Look online. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an old print workshop, so it doesn't look like a theatre. Um, and we play Wednesdays through to Saturdays, so in the evening, 7.30. And if people want to get hold of you and look on up Dirty Market Theatre, you've got a website yeah. just for future work as well. We are dirtymarket.co.uk. So, um, yeah, and we also we do our Rough Classics, which is about spreading the joy and uh, allowing anybody that participates in the workshop to explore a text and write their own stuff. And we create little shows, little performances out of that. Um so those things are ongoing. A show takes us about a year to do. And the film <laughs> takes 24. <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> it'll have, I'm sure it'll have. I'll be between the two of you. 
I'll see if I can think of anything I can do to help assist. Um, so I've, I've got a nice balcony with You've the You've got a great here. balcony here. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, especially at night. So especially now I've got the cranes kissing. Exactly. See, there's one moving now. Oh, yeah. But I managed to get... Yeah, it's quite exciting. It's amazing how I find a friend of mine who's very countryside yeah. came here and she was like, I couldn't possibly... And I said, it's beautiful. The oh, cranes... so beautiful. But it's cranes and it's manufacture and there's buildings and, and then you get this incredible sky and yeah, yeah but I'm I guess it's a it's the energy I thrive on and, yeah. and, and as opposed to fields yeah they're fine but <laughs> fields don't do it for you no no my, my sister's got horses and dogs and cats wow. and children and, and it's wonderful and it's lovely to pop down but I'm a bit kind of like I'd go mad yeah yeah so definitely I think you, you, you're the other the other type of flower you need the you need the City skyline. I need the ocean or I need that. I don't, but that, yeah, I, I think, but maybe it's the drive as well. You need to, because you feel it Friday yeah, night, you feel the buzz. You really of people. can, especially here. Yeah, it's wonderful. So thank you. I'm, I'm going to come and see the show uh, and then I'll write a little, uh, but I, I'm going to say to anyone listening, definitely I'll link all the links and I'll also put the fantastic YouTube viral, which is quite scary, but <laughs> you, you get the point. But, uh, but also, anyone really ever cool. wanted to study with you or, or John, as I said, I even. If it's one of your workshop things, is it, I can imagine. I might come do one myself. Well, classics, they, yeah, they 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 work quite differently to the stuff that we did as well. They're quite they're all about liberating. And oh, I'll come do one. Stuff. I'll come and do one. Great, thank you, Thank Regina. you so much. <laughs>